0: Hey everyone, welcome to Above Board with Canderpath. Now, uh, these last couple of weeks—or Matt, I guess I should say months—like the world's kind of crazy right now, right? Like, you don't say, John. What, what are you talking about?
1: It looks <laughs> normal to me. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. Can you elaborate?
0: Yeah, just you know, bad news everywhere you see. You almost don't even want to turn the news on because of because of just so much um, so much bad stuff that we see from the start of the year. We, it was a it was, you know, the potential of a war in Ukraine, things going on there, and then the markets going all over the place, John, interest we're, rates.
1: Here in Central Florida, we're preparing for a hurricane, as if yes. it couldn't get any worse with the news. We are like hunkering down or whatever the latest <laughs> topic is. Now, I did sit through Hurricane Andrew. So hurricanes are not a joke. They are meant to be taken very seriously. Those who make fun of them are clearly have not been through a big one. We've also had multiple weeks without power at our house. So it, it's it is a big one, but yes, you're right. It doesn't seem like we can escape the bad news these days.
0: Well, we're gonna do instead of hurricane preparedness, which yes, I did see you this weekend getting your house uh, getting your house prepped and ready for it. But instead of hurricane preparedness, we're gonna talk about uh, what's going on in the world, how you can be better prepared, and just things to be thinking about. And so, what we did was um, we have we have a number of clients that listen to our show um, that follow us and support us. And thank you, you know who you are. Thank you for listening to us. And we, we decided we, we, we threw out a, a few questions to them. We said, Hey, if we were to make an episode, you know, more financial driven with what's going on with, with everything, what would you want to hear? What would you want? Maybe your adult son or daughter who's in their thirties and forties in the accumulation phase of life. What would you want them to hear? What questions would you want uh, to be answered? Or conversely, you know, for folks that are in retirement, uh, what, what are some of the things you want to hear? So we kind of took a collection of, of all of those questions, we distilled it, distilled it down to a handful and we're going to answer them today. So I guess I'll MC it. And then Matt, I'm going to ask you the question. So you're on the spot. You're going to you're gonna oh, have to answer goodness. all these things today. Um, I, I'm you know, we're going to have to come up with something catchy. Uh, we have Q&A with your CFA with Michael Scott, who will be on the show in a few weeks. But we're going to have to come, come up with something catchy for like CFP. I can't quite figure out what rhymes with it, but we're working on it. We're working on it. Anyway. Okay. So the first one. Let's start with the folks that are in this accumulation build phase of their life. They're saving, they're growing. They maybe have kids. Um, you know, the world's gone crazy. Uh, the markets are all over the place. Bad news everywhere you turn. So, I think a very common question is: Do I continue to participate and add money into, let's say, my company? 401k plan. What's your what's your answer to that? Matt?
1: Yeah, it's a question that comes up very often, and it actually comes up every time the market goes down. And the market's gone down in 2020, 2018, 2015. It Seems to happen every three to five years. It's not predictable. It's not like something we can throw in our calendar. It comes because of some underlying condition like COVID or like interest rates moving in a direction one way or the other. But it's one that comes up every single time. And it's very easy to answer. It's stop necessarily looking at the value and look how many shares you are purchasing each time that $100 or $1,000 comes out of your paycheck to contribute to your 401k. Look at those share balances. Um, I recently had a client meeting uh, not too long ago with with good friends of mine that are also clients and that listened to our show. and, And she said in our client meeting, Matt, how? Let's. I don't even. I haven't looked at my finances. How are you going to spin this one? What What are we going to talk about today so it's not <laughs> depressing? And I said, we're actually going to look and take it face on. We're going to look at every single number here, and part of the conversation then revolved revolved around, all right, should we be stopping our four hundred one k? Because every time we put that hundred dollars in, it goes down. What like are we even doing the right thing? And it always goes back to a establishing that you have a plan, and we do have a plan in place. And then from that plan is not to deviate based upon what the market is doing. And it's to look at that 401k or look at that IRA, as, you, as we talked about in the pre-show, John. Not everyone has a 401k, right? There might be a simple IRA. You might just be adding to your brokerage account at this point. But it's to look at it. It's First of all, make sure you're buying high-quality positions, so the right investments. And then it's to continue with that purchasing because as the share balances go down, as the market pulls back, for that same dollar amount that you're putting in, you are buying more shares. And the hope is that when the market does recover, that recovers exponentially because you've been buying on the way down. Again, not an easy thing to do. And sometimes it defies our, our logic or what we call behavioral finance. A lot of what John and I do for a living is to tell you to do the opposite of what your gut inclination is. In times of uncertainty, it's to go to cash and it's to Bury everything under your mattress. And oftentimes, and at least historically speaking, that has not been the right move. Timing the market has always been very difficult to do. Getting out, extremely easy. Getting back in, extremely difficult. And so for our clients, it's, again, making sure we're looking at the overall plan. It's making sure they understand why we are making these contributions. And it's to look at it. It's painful at times, but that's what you oftentimes have a CFP for. Is to make that complicated decision quite easy. What do you say, John?
0: Yeah, well, there's there's a lot of things I, I want to say to what you said. I, I would argue that um so you often kind of think of, well, a financial plan for somebody that you know is in retirement. Like that's what you think of when you think of that. Like somebody who's 60 needs a financial plan, not somebody who's 35 or 45. But I argue that if we're trying to achieve retirement or whatever that whatever that age is or whatever we're trying to build to, having that plan in place, as Matt said, um, it almost creates this, this rules-based system that you can operate under. So you're planning when you're, if you're meeting with a financial person or you know it's just you and your spouse and you're trying to figure this out and talk through stuff, you're pre-planning for all these things or these life events that are maybe out of our control, the market's going down or what have you. And you're creating this, These rules that regardless of what happens, we're going to continue systematically, let's say, adding to our company 401k because we get a match, because we know that we can buy shares that are on a discount as we're adding to it. And if we're not touching that money for like X amount of years, ideally a long time from now, we can give that room to grow and know that it's going to bounce all over the place. It's funny, we were looking at the chart of the S&P 500 when we started this. And from like 1980 to 2000, it's up like 1000% in that time frame. But if you zoom in to that, there are periods of volatility even then that I'm sure folks back at that time coming off of stagflation in the late 70s, early 80s, there was a lot of concern and market volatility. And and everybody kind of talks about like how this time is different. You know, that's sort of like the, the consensus. Like anytime we go through anything, it's, well, this is different because... And and I'm not here to suggest that it is or isn't, but I am here to suggest that if you put that plan in place and you you basically discuss those decisions on the front end, you don't it kind of you don't allow doubt to seep into your decision making because you're you're just going to stick to your plan regardless of what's happening in the world. And I think that that's what's really important because that behavioral finance side, everybody wants to invest. And add money to, let's say, stocks when things are doing really well and they want to take it out when things are not doing well. And by the very nature of that decision, they end up buying at the wrong time or selling at the wrong time because they buy at the highs and they sell at the lows, which is quite uh, like the exact opposite of what we want to accomplish. Um yeah. Yeah, go ahead. And
1: that's not even to mention some of the additional benefits you have of of making those contributions. Especially if it is a 401k it might be tax deferred, right? Either you're mm-hmm. either putting dollars in pre-tax or post-tax, whether it's a Roth 401k or traditional 401k, and there's a tax benefit either on the back end or it's today when you're making those contributions. So there's a number of reasons to continue with the plan. And I think back to your point, John, we don't have a crystal ball. We don't predict the future. Even when we have Ask Your CFA, when we have our, our very special Michael Scott on the podcast, he's not going to prognosticate. We are oftentimes looking backwards at history to see what happened. We looked back at 2008, 2009. What was the right thing to do in 2008, 2009? The right thing to do, as painful as it was, was to add to the portfolio, assuming that you have a broadly diversified investment not buying single-issue stocks that potentially could go away, um, but but having a broad basket of securities, was continuing to make purchases during that time. Um, same with two, 2020, right? going through COVID. That was a scary time. John and I have not experienced a pandemic in our lifetime. We, of course, read about 1911 or 12 or whenever that occurred and what, what, what happened during that period of time. But again, looking back on it, having a broadly diversified investment strategy, continuing your plan you were able to to come out of that. Looking at 2018, looking at 2015, Mm -hmm. each one of those time periods were negative market performance or the S&P, the stock market down double digits. And each one of those occasions, it was to continue on your path and continue adding to the portfolio where it was appropriate to, and then not make sizable shifts of your equity positions, of your stock positions. So again, oftentimes rely back on history, not to say past performance is indicative of future results. That is never the case, but we have to have something to go off of. And when we look back in time, we can sort of see what made sense during those same economic conditions then that they do now.
0: Yeah. And and some of the other obvious things that maybe we didn't state is having, you know, having that emergency bucket in place. You know, we don't want to leverage or mortgage our future by going all in on 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 this type of thing. Like we we want to have a plan, stick to it, and part of that plan is having an emergency bucket. You know, doing all of those right things. And I think I'm going to fl- I'm going to flip the script as I move on to the next question, which is so instead of adding to our portfolio, We're in a phase of life like retirement where we are now living off of an income that our portfolio is providing. Markets are down. Things are crazy. What can I do in that scenario to um, maybe just empower my own own planning, feel like I'm a little more in control with all of the stuff that's happening that's out of our control?
1: I got to tell you, this is the group of clients that we have the most concerns about, not necessarily concern, but if you ask what keeps an advisor up at night, it's not the client in accumulation years during a down market who are adding to their 401k. I think we need to explain to that person what's going on. I think there needs to be a plan for those accumulation clients. It's the ones that are in retirement years. The market is down 20%. They're pulling out 5% per year of their portfolio to live off of. That means we have to come back up 25% or more really. Actually, it's, it's more than 25%. Just in order to break even. And I think with those clients in particular, first of all, it's having what we call a three bucket system. So that we're not taking all of our income from the portfolio, but we've actually broken up that retirement account into three very distinct buckets a long term bucket, which has a healthy amount of aggressive securities, a middle bucket, which is roughly half aggressive securities, half non aggressive securities, more conservative, and then a very conservative bucket on the on the front end of that and that conservative bucket should be anywhere between a year to to two years worth of income that is sitting there in a very safe and secure spot and i think when times are really good you pull from the long term bucket and when times like right now in 2022 with the market being down you're pulling from the more conservative bucket of money and continuously rebalancing this portfolio mm-hmm. so it's not an easy answer these are the clients that really do keep us up at night because this is not the time for us to actually take everything and go conservative with it in terms, of, in terms of rebalancing. In fact, we have to move in the other direction because we have to get this portfolio back up to, to at least a break-even standpoint so that for the next year, we can take out another 4 to 5%. The last point I'll make, and then John, I'll let you jump into it, is the security selection at this point. It's looking at securities that have less growth and more dividends. So looking at a high dividend growth or a high dividend portfolio so that at least part of the income that is being used is coming from the dividend of the stocks, not coming from necessarily the growth because there's not a ton of growth right now. So we need those dividends and, and right now the s and averaging somewhere between two, two and a half percent in the form of a dividend is having a healthy dose of those dividend paying securities right now that's helping to provide some of that income so that we can be pulling from the more conservative bucket at this time.
0: Wow, I think we could do we could probably do an entire episode on on you know security selection, portfolio construction, all that stuff and and we won't we won't for today, <laughs> but you did say something that's really important that I think again this is this is money psychology. <clears throat> the idea that in retirement we have a a a a bucket of dollars that let's say give us a runway of 12 24 36 months or what have you where you know that okay I'm I'm now insulated from where I'm taking my dollars from I'm insulated from the secure from the market risk of what's happening like let's say compared to my long-term bucket of dollars and I think that that's really useful because even though you know you'll probably log in you check your accounts you look at everything you can kind of focus on this one account that's goal is to be conservative in nature that, you know, this represents, let's say my expenses for the next one to three years. And now we're creating an expectation for our own selves that, hey, regardless of what I I noticed that happen. um, uh, I noticed this be a very effective strategy for folks during COVID. And partially because it was very, that market cycle was very truncated. I mean, if you look at like, for three weeks, we saw the markets drop almost 35%. I mean, it was the most precipitous drop in the shortest amount of time I think we've ever seen. So for three weeks, we saw the markets do that. And then the following seven to nine months, the markets recovered it. So it was a relatively short period of time where there was a recovery. But I noticed that for folks who had that that those funds in this conservative bucket, were able to uh, maybe sleep at night a little bit better. They seem to have a little more financial peace to their situation because they knew, all right, well, I got, I've got i got runway of time. Yeah, things are crazy right now, but I'm not going to cut and run and let's say sell out of my portfolio and assure myself a loss after the markets just did what they did. I'm going to hang on and I, and I can because I'm not pulling dollars from, from equities that are down right now. I think, that I think that's you, more of a mental shift, but it's important to realize. Yeah, I
1: think you made a good point there. In, and, and it kind of goes back to what I said earlier. It's incredibly easy to get out of the market. It's really easy to hit that sell button. But missing those days where the market goes up dramatically and it, it, there's no pre-warning for it. It's not like, mm-hmm. hey, next week it looks like it's going to go back up again. There There is no predicting of it. Now, people will try to predict it and they'll try to maybe attach some technical theory to it. But you, you missed, if you miss those days where it, it rallies strong and it's because you're sitting on the sidelines, you miss those days, there's never a good opportunity to get back in. There's never this opening where you're like, hey, now it makes sense to do so. Again, I think going back to 2020, like you just made the point, we didn't know in March how low this was going to go down, how far this drop was going to be. But what we did know was it seems like right now compared to history, the investments were at such an extreme discount that you needed to rebalance into those. And yeah. so, again, going back to not knowing the future, we can use a little bit of history to figure out what's the right decision to make. The last point that I'll make um, to, to kind of attach what you were saying is having the money separated out. And I can't stress this enough it's a physical barrier between our conservative accounts and our aggressive accounts. If you have everything in the same account, it's really hard to separate out, oh, this is my conservative money, and this is my aggressive money. Oftentimes for clients, we'll open up two or three accounts and we'll actually have them separated out so that we can say when we're having these meetings or that they can see, hey, this is my aggressive one, we're gonna let this one continue to maintain the plan, and this is my conservative one, and this is where we're gonna be taking our income from. Physically separating out those accounts is a really powerful tool you can do that costs nothing, but allows us to psychologically see where's the income coming from and where should the growth come from.
0: <laughs> well, you're talking to a guy who has 13 different savings accounts, so obviously, uh, obviously, I love that. Um, we've joked about that on the show, but I think having that actual physical separation does really uh, create a good money psychology, and and again, looking more under the short term with all my savings accounts, like my, my wife hit the nastiest nail I've ever seen in her tire. Um, and I mean, this thing was flat as fuck. We're lucky. Like the rim didn't get bent and broken, frankly. Um, and oh, it sucked, Jackie. It, it sucked, you know, having to get a new tire. And of course you got to get a matching tire on the other side. So now one tire turns into two tires. That's a whole scenario, but we have money in our, in our auto bucket. And so, Having that buffer, you know, kind of created some some good peace of mind. We do have a, a friend of ours that's a listener as well. Krista, she has uh, she she's got us beaten though. She I think she has like twenty savings accounts, so even oh my even, goodness. even greater. But to your point, that that physical accounting and separation of those dollars can can you know can have a positive effect. And also, you're talking about you know staying in the market. Um, I don't have the slide in front of me, but it was so it, it was something like suggesting you know like S&P 500 over a stretch of 20 years and if you missed the 10 best days in every year what that drag effect would have on the return I mean it cut the return like in more than half and it was just kind of this very powerful visual to realize like I can't time this thing nobody can why am I trying to and so let's you know let's stay you know let's stay true to what our plan is okay so um as we wrap, I think there's 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 a final question that I that I want to bring up. And it's more for, so we've talked about those that are in the accumulation and growth phase. We've talked about the ones who are already in retirement. Now we're going to talk about a very unique um, class of folks who are maybe like, you know, for the last several years, they've been planning to retire in 2022. Like maybe they turned 66 this year or whatever the case may be. Like this was going to be their exit year. And so they come to us, you know, they say, hey, guys, I'm ready to retire soon. Um, but given what's happened uh, this year and all of the uncertainty around that, is now a good time to retire? Do I do I punt this decision? What do I do? What would you say to somebody in that situation, hypothetically?
1: Yeah, the, the planning for retirement doesn't happen in a single year, right? It happens usually three to five years ahead of time. So the question I usually get is if it's if it's a new client coming to us, have you been planning for this? And if it's an existing client, we probably did have a plan for this. We probably planned to retire at some point. And I think the key with retirement is, is, first of all, knowing, and we've talked about this in in previous podcasts, there's a couple of solid rules that we have is organization of your finances, having a budget, having an emergency savings, right? Those are the mm-hmm. three tenants I think we personally believe in are the three most important. None of that has to do with stocks and bonds, has to do with making sure that you have a plan. So I go back to that client and say, A, is our budget? And is there a retirement budget, because the retirement budget is, it should be vastly different from the accumulation budget, right? Because you're not going to be saving as much in retirement. You're going to be spending at this point. So it's making sure that there is, that there is that system and there's a budget. Yeah. The next is, is there a, is there a plan and is it a live plan? Plans are not great when they're given to you in a three ring binder and said, okay, now go execute. The minute that binder is printed, the minute that plan is printed, it's actually technically out of date. So again, we employ through software that we use a live plan, which moves and changes with the fluctuations of your account balances. Um, So it's, again, asking if there's a plan. Um, And then the last but not least is what is is the emergency savings look like? Do we have enough to protect us and shelter us from this decline? I'd say that one of the biggest things is also being able to be flexible within your budget during really good times is you can, you can have some additional dollars being taken from the portfolio. But during the lean times, times we're going through right now, can we tighten that budget up, that retirement budget enough so that we're not stressing the portfolio as much when it goes down as much as it's gone down in such a light period of time? Um, one point that I'll make, John, that, that kind of bringing back to 2020, 2020 happened in a relatively short period of time. It was very much like ripping off a Band-Aid, right? It went down dramatically and then it went up dramatically. 2022 is like death by a thousand paper cuts, right? We are now, we're shooting this podcast in the month of September. We're nine, almost 10 months into the year of just bad news after bad news, decline after decline. It seems like it's never going to end. And so that really, that prolonging of a declining market oftentimes just wears on us. Seeing the news every single day of it going down or or mostly going down, it just wears on you and you're like, gosh, is this ever going to end? Will I be able to retire? You need to have a plan.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The good times. um, I guess if you look at historical, you know, uh, charts of the market and such, the good times do last significantly longer than the bad times do, but the bad times feel so bad that even though they're, they're shorter in nature as compared to the good times, like they just, they hurt more. And so they feel they feel longer. They feel like they're never going to end, and I think that um, you know one of the things in thinking about the answer to this final question for me is we do one of the first things I do with somebody when we start working with with someone is is project a financial plan. Okay, so if you want to retire at this date, or if you're already retired, like what's it going to look like, and you know where your dollars going to be, and when you're seventy two and eighty four and ninety six years old, like that type of thing, and we stress test that cuz you obviously don't want just perfect case scenarios to happen cuz that's just not how life works. And so we stress test that and we make assumptions that there's going to be recessions in your retirement life. I mean it is just not um it is just not realistic to assume that if you're going to retire for a 30-year life cycle, let's just say hypothetically speaking between the ages of like 60 to 90. And it could be longer with like longevity and science. And you know you know me, I want to live to 120. So <laughs> it's like, it could be way longer. But let's say at least several decades of time, it is not conceivable to think that we would always have economic prosperity. There are going to be periods of expansion and contraction, both in the economy and in the market, and that's normal. And so we stress test for those situations. So though it may not feel ideal to let's say, retire into a recessionary environment, the likelihood is it's not gonna be your last either. Like you're gonna experience that in retirement again in the next decade. I mean, I forget what the statistics are, how frequently there are bear markets and recessions, but it's gonna happen again. And so again, though it doesn't feel good, though it feels like elongated because, you know, the bad times always feel longer than they maybe really are. I would argue that if you have the right plan in place, you do all the stress testing ahead of time. And like you said, Matt, like, you know, you're three to five years ahead of this topic. You're thinking about it. You're planning for what that eventual date is. And so if everything else that you can control is is right and lined up and good to go, um, we're going to experience more than one recessionary environment. And so not to you know my my message is not to let that negatively impact now, if your planning was based on perfect case scenarios all across the board and you're retiring into a year like twenty twenty two might not work um but i I think this is a more of a conversation on focusing what you can control
1: yeah we we had a client retire last year and and she was in her sixties um and my my she's like, okay, so now I'm retired do we do we make everything super conservative and i said I said, sue." you're retiring at, I don't know what, 60 and change. I said, you probably started like your peak earning years, like beginning your, re- beginning your career, you know, in your 20s, you're kind of coming out of your 20s out of, off of college or off of starting to work. And you really start your, she really started a career like at 30. I said, from 30 to 62, you were in your accumulation years. From 62, probably to 92, you're going to be in your income years. You're going to be retired for as long as you were working. That I mean, let, let's put that into perspective. We need we need continued growth on on the retirement portfolio because you're probably going to retire for as long as you actually like really worked for. And, uh, and so giving them that perspective was like wow. So yeah, we're a we're going to go through a number of market cycles. B we've got to continue to grow this because I I'm going to have to live off of this for the next thirty potential. 30, we don't know how long we're going to live for. John's going to live to one hundred and twenty. <laughs> but we usually run our retirement plans to at least age one hundred, but I mean, I looked at the scenario and I'm like, no this is now we need to pivot we need to move we need to move things around and we need to have this one year uh you know retirement um uh you know cash portfolio or, or conservative portfolio so we can pull off of it during downtimes, but you're going to be retired for as long as you you had your peak earning years for, and that really kind of puts it in perspective sometimes is there's not necessarily a a dramatic change in strategy, there's going to be some tweaks to it. But um, for for most of our clients, and again, those that are in really good health, they're going to have a really long term perspective, you need to have a really long term perspective on what your retirement dollars are doing.
0: Did you know that the ages of 60 to 80, statistically are the happiest ages of one's <laughs> lifetime. Did you know that? I, I did not know that, John. So I, I've been, I was reading it. I heard about it on a podcast that I was listening to, and it was Ray Dalio. So, I mean, it was like, you know, he was talking about this study, and I thought it was really cool. And uh, I think the goal is to keep those your happiest years, you know, so like focus on the good planning so you don't have to worry about all the crazy things happening. What I have to imagine one of the reasons that they're their happiest years, and I want to do an entire podcast on this topic, but I would have to imagine that it's because you've gone through all those decades of angst and worry and fear and anxiety and raising children and watching them grow and doing all these things that that when you hit that age um if you're if you've done all the right planning you can like maintain that level of happiness I don't know it sounds it just yeah. seems kind of cool so like my thought <laughs> is like if 60 to 80 are the happiest years Let's work to keep it your happiest years, man. Like
1: I think of it the other way. There's a, a, a musician that I love. His name is Jason Isbell. And he says, life is slow up until age 18. I'm going to butcher the quote. But life is slow up until age 18. Then at 21, it picks up speed. And it, it really is the truth. Because like it seems like when you're in that one. Well, you really don't remember one. But let's just say you're in that five, age 5 to age 18. Like, everything is so slow. I go to school every day. Like, another summer comes. Like, it's so slow. And then at 21, like something, you know, like clicks and you're like, oh crap, I'm an adult. I say this every night before going to bed um, when when I lay down and my, my wife's there and I say, God, I was just here a second ago, right? I just got up a second ago and now I'm laying back down again. The day went wow. by so quick. The kids had activities. I worked all day. She, you know, she did all of the things that, that she's doing and it, like, we were just here a second ago. It's happening so quick. Yeah. And I think that's a reminder kind of back to your point is you got to enjoy it. And if 60 to 80 is the most enjoyable years, you still got to enjoy the ride up to that point because we don't always know if we're going to make it that long.
0: I like that, man. Time really does bend, doesn't it? Depending on the situation, I feel like it's, it's still going by at the same, you know, 60 seconds is still 60 seconds, but some days it feels like it's a blink and other times it can go by slow. So it's as volatile as the stock market, apparently. Um, Well, hey, listen, as we wrap up today, thank you guys so much for listening to us on Above Board. We've got tons of more topics as we've asked more clients to kind of submit Q&As to us, of things that that they'd like to hear us talk about on the show, Um, not the least of which I think getting a little more granular from today's topic. In the future discussions, we're going to talk about things like I-bonds and interest rates and tax loss harvesting So uh, lots of good stuff forthcoming. And Velrich B, we miss you. He woke up, um, I believe, yesterday with absolutely no voice. So he has not had a voice for the last couple of days, which is probably really difficult when your career is speaking, I can imagine. That's That's like your asset. We should talk to him about like Lloyd's of London insurance to like get his voice insured.
1: We can insure his voice.
0: (laughs) I don't know. Is that, that's a thing, right? I think we can do that. Uh, But anyway, to all the listeners out there, thank you so much as always for being a part of of, uh, this conversation with us. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Bye guys.